There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stocks for beginners. We have had literally seven years where the market was just going one way, right? When you have that being replaced by highly volatile and some negative sentiment and negative bearish, what I call as perception, sometimes reality of the market, it forces people to have a plan. It forces people to be consistent. Then it forces people to be disciplined, right? And also forces people not to have unrealistic expectations, but have actually some real expectations, right? And for example, you can't invest in one and hope that you're going to hit a jackpot right so it forces you to have diversity so it on the whole it forces you to be tremendously prepared hi and welcome back to stocks for beginners i'm phil muscatello where does your order go each time you hit buy or sell in your brokerage account what's a market maker and how many hands are in the pockets of investors on the way through joining me to explain the nuts and bolts and picks and shovels of trading is dan raju from tradia hello dan Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, lovely to hear from you in Singapore. What a beautiful city. <laughs> beautiful city, just an odd time in the evening, that's all. <laughs> Dan Raju is the Chief Executive Officer of Tradia. He has the overall responsibility of Tradia and the company's strategy and direction under his leadership. Tradia has grown rapidly from an innovative product to an essential infrastructure fabric that powers 200-plus investing platforms globally and serving some of the most active traders in the market. So let's just start talking a little bit about Tradia. What is Tradia? What do you actually do? So what Tradia does, Phil, is that we are the brokerage in a box infrastructure that is quite popular across hundreds of companies, both young entrepreneurial and some of the larger financial services firms who are offering retail investing products. We are the engine that powers them. Right. This could be an active trading platform, a social trading platform, a neo bank, a traditional bank, credit unions, uh, social blogs, anything, anything that you want to build the ability for people to invest in the stock market. We provide you the infrastructure for you to do that. That's what we do. That infrastructure, is it um, the trading and also the legal side of things as well? No, yeah, that's the key though. So, see, I think what has happened in the... So, we are, to answer your question, we are basically the a legal custodian of the assets. We are the infrastructure. We are the connectivity. We are the license. We are everything, right? You see, what has happened in the market, Phil, is just like other industries, right? It's not just cloud services. It's not software as a service. This is the world of business process as a service. And the, and what we do is we take this burdensome fabric of Wall Street and we kind of basically just split it into, we democratize it so that people can build, anybody could build an investing platform. It could be, I mean, if Phil wants to build Phil Trading tomorrow, it would cost you literally tens of millions to do it. You can do it in 20 minutes right now. And that's what we do. And that's that, that. That simplification is what has led to our growth. Ah, that's very exciting. I can't wait. By the end of the interview, <laughs> I want I want to have my own trading platform. <laughs> you go. So pre-Tradia, 
What was the world of traditional brokerage like? What were you faced with when you first started Tradia? The model that, that existed in the market for decades, Phil, is a very, very simple model. And that is large brokerage firms would basically go ahead and, you know, offer a web or a mobile app and say, come and invest here. And, you know, people would get their ideas from their conversations, from their social presence, from their from their charts. And they would all take that idea, walk into a brokerage firm or or punch it into the brokerage operations. So it was where people got their ideas and where people acted on the ideas were two different locations. I mean, there's just fundamentally, what we have done is we have fundamentally bridged that gap. We have basically said, hey, you're reading an article on, a, on your favorite company and you can just click and trade right there, or you're looking at a chart. So we have taken, as a part of abstracting Wall Street, we have just basically taken the act of investing or what we call Wall Street in a very common way, into into where the people are rather than having to herd all these guys into the platform. So, so before we came into this one, building a financial service application was only possible by the large banks. You need to have a ton of money, a lot of influence, a lot of understanding, a lot of complexity, and years of building, and a lot of capital input ahead of time. What we have done is we have basically gone ahead and say, hey, you know, we have done all that work for you. You can just consume it in the most simplest fashion and we take that risk. So we are willing to bet on you while you're building your idea. And that's the fundamental difference of what we have done. So what we have fundamentally done, like I always say this, is we have wrapped up everything that that is not sexy about Wall Street and have basically made it, made it uh, what I call as embeddable into anything and everything that we do. So that's kind of what we do. I hope it makes sense. But uh, So you provide the bare bones and um, some of your clients are providing the soul. Would it be fair to say it's like that a bit? <laughs> and together we are giving a, a beautiful uh, living structure to the end customer. I guess I was just adding a sentence to what you're saying. <laughs> so who's, who are some of the platforms that um, you power? It's, I, mean, you, if, I mean, if you just go to a website, you're going to find hundreds of these. But, you know, it, it, it's basically it is charts, analysis, research, news sites, blogs, backtesting, um, one cancels others, a lot of options traders, directional traders, you know, trade ideas, technical analysis, research. So any place, anywhere where where idea is intended to be created, we convert that into basically a trading platform. So, so I mean, this is fundamentally this, and I, I don't, many of our audience might actually, I was there, but, I'm, but are much younger. In the past, what you would do, is like four or five decades ago, I mean, you would basically go ahead and you would order something on a phone. The package would come home and then you'd actually write a check and give it to him. And eventually the transaction is consummated. That's how, you know, for a long time, how, you know, these catalogs and all that used to work in the traditional world, right? And now we came to a point where you can just click and trade, click and buy something on any platform. And that is because merchant payments have basically have got broken up from the traditional four walls of the of a bank and have embedded itself into where the sale is done. That, so that has made it super convenient. What we do is exactly like that. So what we do is we take trading and and, and, and put it at place where the, where the trader actually makes a decision. Yeah, so we're very, very similar to Stripe in that model. Um, and that's what we do. And so it has it has revolutionized the way 
Firms like us have enabled trading to come so close to the retail investors. So the proof is in the pudding or success proof is in the pudding. 25 million new traders have jumped into the market since 2016, right? And we have taken some of the most institutional cap- capabilities and just pumped it into the retail market. As you know, options trading, sometimes you're doing more options trading today, which is traditional inside the four walls of a brokerage firm. Today, single stock option trades are, are more than the number of shares that we trade. And so proof is in the pudding that once you open it up, people find value in being able to make those choices versus a traditional brokerage firm saying, come to me, I've got a web and app and here's how you do it. And so we let the last mile take its Mm. own shape. That's all we do. I love looking at the legacy systems and how, and you referred to how trades were done, you know, a few decades ago. And I interviewed recently the CEO of um, a SIBO exchange here in Australia. And when he started, he was working in an exchange and there was chalkboards and all of the prices were being constantly written on the boards by chalkies, they call them. And they, he described having a lazy Susan with <laughs> one computer monitor on the lazy Susan that three brokers were sitting at and they were spinning it around. And of course, in that lazy Susan were ashtrays embedded. <laughs> it's a completely different world, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, for a while, you know, we, we talk about today that, you know, you click in a tray. You click and before you can you know, take your next breath, you get a trade confirmation, right? Mm, mm. And, and, and it's a complete difference uh, from where it was. I mean, you, even when online kicked in in the, in, in the late 90s, in the early 90s, yeah. I mean, it was still not online. You know, people would go to a website and put an order and somebody would inside would sit in front of a computer, see it, take a note <laughs> and would then go and punch it in, right? Yeah. It was like, I guess it's online, uh, but there's an online element to it, but it's really not real time and online. So we went from those legacy chalkies and tapes and, and chalkboards. And even when online hit, it was, it was just being able to access from a computer. But behind the scenes, it was actually still being done manually with a person running with a notepad, right? Mm. Um, so I, so I think we've come a long way, right? And I think now we have built this a very unique, robust capital markets. But the demand, the hunger to invest into the capital markets came at a, such a pace in the 90s that, you know, we kind of, this whole industry kind of just packed itself up, right? You know, it's like duct tape, you know, to, you know, normal tape, it's uh, bubblegum, it's strings, and they all put this together. And so I think the time had come by 2010 after the financial crash to, to just reinvent this. I mean, we just cannot have the same crap all over again, right? And so... You know, entrepreneurs like us started building, rebuilding this. Uh, folks were, you know, simplifying the back offices. And, you know, folks like us were saying, hey, and let's drive simplicity and convenience and, and let's, let's let everyone come into the market. And so if you think firms like us start building that, what I call as automation, simplification, read, redoing the core infrastructure of the capital markets. So we were much better prepared when pre-pandemic and post, you know, the pandemic actually drove hundreds and January 2020 to January 2021, 13 million new traders had jumped into the U.S. markets, right? So when this time we came, we were, I'm sure you heard of some failures here and there, but it was much more prepared. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's talk about what a market maker is, because when you press that button, it's got to go somewhere. That order has got to go somewhere. And most of the trades, I believe, go into the hands of market makers. What is a market maker? See, a lot of traders, traders like you and me, think that our trades are settled. Our trading order is satisfied in an exchange. That's just not true. 99.99% or even I can add a few more nines after the few nines I mentioned, don't actually ever touch the exchange in real time. So what happens basically is when you place a trade in the market, right? So you think it's, it's actually very simple. You have an account where you have got some cash sitting in it. Once you place a trade, it's verified to make sure you have the money. And once it's verified that you have the money, you now want to get the best price for your purchase or for your sale, however you want to take a look at it. And so what happens is that validation is provided by the broker dealer where it's actually getting you the best price. And then it is sending it to a market maker and they pick and choose which market maker to send it to in some cases, or in some cases we do it a little bit more automated. And the market maker is a person who's who's matching the need of uh, someone to buy to the need of someone to sell. It's satisfying the settlement rate. And those firms have spent so much time and energy and, and, and basically automation that they have basically kind of become that layer that is sitting between where the retail trades occur and the exchanges. And only when they can't settle it, it goes further down the chain. So I think so a market maker is a simple, fast, electronic entity that is actually matching buying and sellers they are just aggregating volumes from all the locations and creating a small marketplace for themselves and they make some spread revenues but that's what they fundamentally do so one of the stuff that people you know market makers are sometimes looked at as as basically not good people sometimes right they're looked at as as a folks who are basically making money of retail trades but what, what people don't understand sometimes is the fact that these market makers are the reason why you have the fully automated electronic markets today. I mean, you get up, I mean, you see these ads on television, somebody's actually in between a golf shot, he's actually buying shares or he's on, he's, he's on a path metro train in New York and he's, and he's placing trades and then he's getting back fills immediately. And a big chunk of why you get those fast-paced fills or or your orders are settled is because of these market makers. So, so a market maker is and more recently they have become have quite a bit of conversation about them. Market makers today are an essential. We are not a market maker. Trader is not, but the market makers play a significant role in the fast execution of these trade orders. So I've heard traders and brokers complaining about what they call algos. What's algorithmic trading, and how does it affect you when you're placing an order? Is, are they really as evil as mar- market makers <laughs> seem to be? <laughs> no, see, I mean, I mean, everybody see, see, algo is such a generic term, Phil. I mean, it's, it's anything that's basically running some kind of a logic, saying if A happens, do B, and if A, a and B happen, do C, and if A, B, C, and D happen, do E, right? And being able to execute those complex what I call as automated ways of investing or is generally what we refer to as algos. Um, but see, 
at the end of the day, the algos, if you think about the traditional brokerage stack or the investing stack, Phil, there is the end retail customer. There is the broker dealer, like somebody like us, right? And there's a clearing operation, right? And then there is a market settlement operation, right? So algos are there on multiple of these layers. A lot of retail traders today write their own trading algorithms, right? And what what has happened recently is, you know, over the last 10 years, what was traditionally locked within the four walls of a legacy hedge fund has now become open. I mean, so a lot of retail investors create write algos in Python and all kinds of programming language and, and automate their own personal strategies, right? At the same time, market makers also have to execute algorithms to settle the trades. So, I mean, the word algorithms basically have have had a lot of uh, negative connotation recently, maybe for the last couple years, they get more noisy right now with, with the way media works. The promotion of an, of, of an idea that they are basically have written automation to read or predict what retail investors do and, and try to work against them. And that kind of a sentiment is what has created a lot of this one. And I, and but, but the reality is that algorithmic trading is, is, is just not bad. I mean, the, it's just not, they are the folks who are actually carrying the burden and to keep these markets vibrant and keep the volumes going. Um, I think more and more they, they, there's enough regulation in the market that kind of, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, goes ahead and controls and what they do. I mean, there are areas that this market stack can improve, right? I mean, there, there, there could be different treatment to algo kind of volumes and the way market makers make money and all that. There, there could be different treatments to that. But they all will have time. But I think sometimes because of the recent hype in media, we tend to have a binary view saying this is good, this is bad. But we never ask a question, okay, if this is bad, without that structure, how are you going to function, right? And so the gap is not filled. So I, so I think algos serve two purposes. They serve a purpose of automation. It's what drives a lot of the volume in the market. And it's, it's, it, it is what, you know, some of the more advanced trading that basically has happened. And the ability for retail investors to create those algos is basically coming from firms like us who are unbundling that capability. The last, over the last decade, there have been quite a few incidents where these algos have worked against the retail investor. But I think now you have with the new regime here, a lot of this is being, is, is regulated out. And, and broker dealers like us are forced to basically create a whole bunch of controls to protect the retail investors. So I think it is heading in the right direction. And more and more, I think you you stop seeing algos in the retail context much negatively. But you're always going to have that automation. You're never going to get away from it. And ultimately, it's about price discovery, isn't it? That's what we're all ending up at. Yeah, it is. It's really about price discovery. You mentioned the number of new trading accounts over the last few years. Has there been a problem giving such free access to markets to beginners in investing? Because a lot of them are beginners. They've never done this before. And then suddenly they see themselves as hotshot Wall Street traders. And it's not going to always pay off, is it? Especially when you get into something as volatile as options and um, having to understand the maths behind how options operate. Yeah, I mean, I see, see, I think... About 25 million traders jumped after 2016, okay? New funded accounts have jumped into the market, right? Not if you add the number of accounts, I mean, it'll be probably much larger than that. And what has happened during the pandemic, just before, in the early stages of the pandemic, 
that all other ways for people to engage their money just never was really uh, work sports was gone <laughs> the casinos in vegas were gone right uh, or or practically on hold there was not there were not sports played around and so and there was this unending cycles of news and the stock market became an index of wellness the stock market is doing well that means eventually the country is doing well there's no other there's no other way for people to experience the country than than just that so i fundamentally think that that kind of situation created a lot of what we call as hunger to invest and that has actually created a lot of these a graduation effect in the market people started getting into options much lower they had nothing else to do they were at home working from home largely and they got into a lot of these advanced instruments like options right and you know and that's the reason why you know, you won't believe in it the number of new trading accounts there are more trading accounts that started doing options in the year 2020 2021 than the, the the early 10 years before that right and so it these pandemic created a massive graduation effect and a massive way for people to trade into options now talking of the morality of what has happened right and what's good and what's not not good I mean I this is just my personal opinion about it right I think broker dealers in general could have done a better job at vetting these customers for suitability but but there was a rush there was a demand there was a rush and and there were wild times and so I think that that mitigating control kind of basically was lost a little bit some folks like you know I think the legacy brokers continue to do it the right way I mean we we are a very very mature firm I and mean, we 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 never even at that, that time we we did a lot of suitability a lot of these younger apps were just throwing out the capability for free and most of them right now are suffering right the reason they're suffering right now is for a very simple reason and that is that they've taken a shortcut to the graduation effect and right now they just they're forced now having to build a building when the folks are already in the building right so versus uh, versus having to deal with the ha- ahead of time so yeah i think so i my take on it is basically it's a two-sided coin on one side great to have another 25 million new investors just in the us um great to have a lot of international accounts you know you, you're from australia you know the number of people australia who are opening accounts in the us has tremendously grown right so a lot more new people young millennial young investors who want to manage their money all that is absolutely great that there was a lot more and and you know doing suitability is not denying access and i think so sometimes that's misunderstood right and so i think what the industry is now doing is the right path is to putting more controls and insisting on education i mean for example education is the key the, i mean in fact i predicted that meme stock rallies will are going will become less and less as around the same reasons as in the sense that you know there's a graduation effect purely from the trader perspective they know how to handle the markets better they're jumping into options a lot of new educators have come and now regulation is also catching up all these factors are going to create a much what i call is a vibrant and stable system versus the wild wild west we had in 2020 and on the positive side uh, you can learn with very small amounts of money, Correct. really, can't you? It's not going to cost you a huge amount of money. You're not going to be throwing away a whole stake options trading because you can practice at very, very much lower cost levels now. Correct. No, absolutely. I think what what is one of the most positive things that has happened, the kind of changes that occurred in the market, uh, Hill, is the way people consume content and get educated is all bite size. I mean, they learn in small tidbits and in a continuous, intelligent way. Number one, that is actually creating a lot of education, 
And the friction of people coming into the markets has also come down tremendously. You can easily open an account with a small amount of money. I mean, for example, firms like Tradio will let you open an account with, with zero minimum, right? So the good part about what's happened in the market recently is the friction is down. Education is being consumed in micro talk bites. And uh, there is a demand for that education. And, uh, you know, people have burned themselves a little bit. So they are learning to have to go back to education and do it better this time. And that's really where a platform that's um, using Tradia in the background can provide great value. It can be all about education. And right at the end of it is the process of actually placing those trades. Yeah, we take pride in the fact that we are the largest brokerage that has got the largest number of uh, educators in our umbrella. We have about 66 educational partnerships where we, these folks actually hit the different kinds of traders. So they, are, they, have, they have an amazing responsibility and a challenge. I was speaking at the, at the CBO event. Um, we, we, we partner with CBOE and, and we have three educational events ourselves. I mean, we, we do a lot of education. We, we partner with CBOE on educational events. We run our own events. We sponsor partner events. We've got satellite events, a lot of content on our website, a lot of videos. We run Options Brew TV, all about education. But I, but I think what is happening in the market is that I think customers are realizing that they are better be educated. And bearish markets like the one you're seeing right now actually pushes them towards education. <laughs> I like that. Bearish markets pushes them towards education. You've really got to start knowing what you're doing when the markets are going backwards, don't you? <laughs> No, I, I there's think no, there's no way out of it, is there? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I mean, there's. Let's be honest about it. I mean, we have, we have had a decade where I mean, we have had literally seven years where the market was just going one way, right? clear sailing. It's just going one way, and every, it was just going one way, and it was, it was going up. I think when you have that that being replaced by highly volatile and some negative sentiment and negative bearish, what I call as perception, sometimes reality of the market, it forces people to have a plan right? It forces people to be consistent, right? Because then it forces people to be disciplined, right? And also forces people not to have unrealistic expectations, but have actually some real expectations, right? And for example, you can't invest in one and hope that you're going to hit a jackpot, right? So it forces you to have diversity. So on the whole, it forces you to be tremendously prepared, right? And I think that's what is happening right now is that need to be tremendously prepared is being also being supported by hundreds of educators and regulatory tightness. So I think you're going to see a lot more responsible markets that we have seen. And that's one of the reasons I was predicting that, you know, meme stock rallies like the GameStops and the AMCs where, you know, there's really no fundamentals in the business, but the, but the business is basically has, has grown, you know, 10x, 12x in stock price. Those kind of rallies, you'll still see them, but not to the extent that you'll see them because it now the, the market has learned the value of being responsible. I think. So, in your opinion, a new investor just opening up their brokerage account today for the very first time, what are some of the fundamentals that they need to understand before placing that first trade? See, they need to understand, and this is—I mean, I, I, I speak about this quite a bit. The first and the foremost thing they need to understand is the fact that they could lose all of it. Don't invest anything in the market that you are not willing to lose. So don't take hard-earned dollars. I think people need to understand that, you know, don't invest something that you're not ready to lose. Number one rule, right? And number two after that is they need to understand there's a lot of sophistication in the market. There is a lot of data in the market. 
and there is a lot of free content available in the market and it's important for you to incrementally gradually find your comfort zone and then be active in the market there is no shortcut to success in the in the stock market i just say this to everyone there's no shortcut right folks who are, who do well are the folks who who are there consistent disciplined planned and prepared so i always tell you know traders before you jump into the stock market education is key and and number 2 is don't put in money that you're not willing to lose so. it's also interesting that you say that there's many international investors uh, coming in and trading in the US and I've noticed that here in Australia there's that urge people are not interested in the traditional stocks on the Australian stock market you know they want to invest in Google and Apple and Microsoft and why wouldn't you yeah see I, I and I said this uh, I, I said this on CNBC too and that is one of the most underreported story is is concentration towards the US markets and we we believe that there's roughly around 6.5 to 7 million of the 25 million accounts that came in actually international accounts so we have got a tremendous influx of international accounts in the market and there are a couple of reasons for that number 1 is people live the US brand you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth with colgate right and then you you take you buy a car you use a phone you you interact you communicate and you associate most of this is associated with the, with, the, with the brands in silicon valley I and mean, that's what you're fundamentally doing right and so people like to invest in what they associate with and i and i think so that has created tremendous amount of interest in the us capital markets because that's where these companies are listed number 1 number 2 is also the fact that i that, that I, i think it makes economical sense because of the depreciating of the currencies in many of these developing countries having your money in dollars actually has a much more appreciative effect than anything else because the currency conversion locally has a huge thing and lastly and most importantly is i think the barriers have come down you know folks like tradier i mean you connect from india and build a trading platform tomorrow for indian investors right so so i think all these factors have led to a lot of influx of there's interest there is capability and and the market itself have been doing well for a while right so you have all these factors that basically come in but you know i i i think we're we're coming into a very very interesting stage in in the us stock market that is the retail stock market is today in the equity space is 30% sometimes starting 30% in the options space almost touching 40% so retail is the single largest block in the us i mean you're coming to a point where on on many days you know if you break up institutional into a couple of, into the segments retail is a single largest block and now you have the situation where that volumes are actually driven by a lot of international uh, citizens who just don't live in the US so now what happens to policy what happens to local fiduciary policy in india in australia in i mean we we have we support of our firm from new zealand too i mean now all of a sudden those trading volumes have, i mean and what happens there their perception of what happens actually drives volatility and fluctuation you smart you come into a very unique phase with retail being such a large segment and many of these accounts coming to the US internationally i mean the traditional idea that US fiduciary policy and US what local geopolitical situations are not the only drivers for volume and volatility in the market you're coming to a point where you know there's an interesting article that i saw with the number of indians opening up accounts in the US markets i mean 
what happens with, with the geopolitical situation between India and China could actually have an inter- a volume impact. <laughs> and, and there's obviously, there's a volume impact in the US market. It's kind of just funny. I think this this forces the US, uh, now no, the interesting challenge is going to be, you know, how do the regulators think of their fiduciary responsibilities beyond their the four walls of their own country is an interesting challenge, I think. So if listeners want to find out more about Tradia, where, where can they go? Oh, it's simple. Go to um and check us out. You can call the number on the uh, on the website or send an email. Uh, it's www.trader.com. And we'll always pick up the phone and we'll get back to you. And, uh, you know, and you know, getting hold of me is also fairly easy. I'm quite active uh, out there, you know, pr- promoting my point of view. As, you know, just any of this, you can private message me through any of these social channels and I'll be happy to respond. Dan Raju, thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Phil. Thanks so much. really enjoyed it. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.